turn your attention today, the book of Job, chapter 38, focusing on verse 4 through 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Notice there these words. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much. Who determined its dimension and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And I'm talking today simply from the subject, the power of a question. The power of a question. This is an instance where Job, out of his frustration with God, his frustration over the circumstances of his life, started asking God some questions, and then God flipped the script and started asking him some questions. He's like, if you know so much, let me ask you some questions. And God asked him some questions and shut him down in a second. And it points us to this truth that questions win arguments. Questions win arguments. Questions win arguments. Not just where you can just get the last word in, but questions win arguments. In the 21st chapter of, of the gospel according to St. Matthew, uh, these folks were questioning Jesus. And Jesus asked them one question and shut them down. You know why? Because questions win arguments. You see, a good question has the ability to keep on speaking to the hearer long after the question is asked. And we have to learn how to be able to craft and ask, ask good questions. There's an old Chinese proverb that says that he who asks a question is a fool for five minutes, but he who never asks a question remains a fool forever. And so one of the best things that we can do, if you don't know something, ask. Just the power of a question can help us to understand the nature of something. It can really help to shape our life in a wonderful way. Professor uh, Richard uh, Feynman said this, that I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. It's good to be able to have some, some questions about some things because when you have questions, you get answers. You get answers. So learn to be able to ask the right questions because the right questions can really help to shape your life. Now, this is the kind of message that is not designed to make you run and shout. There's a time for that. This is one that is designed to engage you to think to ask some questions about your future. Because if you're going to change your life, you have to ask some questions. It all begins with questions. Just think about it. It's impossible for the greatest salesman to be able to satisfactorily service a client without asking that client questions. If you're in sales, you better find out what the customer wants or else you're going to answer a question that nobody is asking. So ask questions. You know, don't try to sell me an automobile because this is one that's on special and you got a surplus of these and you don't know my needs and you only have but two doors and I got five children. You need to find my needs before you can try to render a product to me. You, you need to be showing me a station wagon or a minivan. 
I don't need a two-seater. And so you ask questions about the person's lifestyle. What, how do they function day-to-day to, to know what best to recommend? If you're in sales, ask questions so you can serve the people better. Uh, I hate to go to a, a restaurant and be served by somebody, and it's clear when they bring my food out that somebody wasn't listening. You see, in, in order to serve with excellence, you have to listen. You, you have to listen. And, and listen, if you ever want to connect with a person's heart, use your ears. Ears are the fastest way to connect to the heart. Notice H-E-A-R, the ear is in the heart. You want to connect with somebody's heart, give them your ear. Give them your ear, listen to them. Think about how psychiatrists work. When they sit down to help a person who's got all kinds of emotional problems, mental health issues, they will start asking the person questions. And oftentimes they want to get to the root of the, of the problem, so they ask questions, tell me about your childhood. And they go back, but they can't give the person answers and help a person in their perspective and, and help them to come back to certain dimensions of reality without asking them questions. It's impossible for a psych psychiatrist to help a patient without asking them questions. That's how they even diagnose how in touch with reality or far away from reality that they are is by asking you questions. Anybody who's in the consulting business, the only way that you can help a client is by asking them a series of questions to help make them better because questions will help to shape their reality in the future is by asking them the right questions. Because when the market has changed and you're still doing what used to work years ago, but now the market has changed, you need somebody to frame the right questions. A consultant really can't give you the answers, but they can ask you the right questions that help to turn the lights on for you. And here's why. Because questions help bring you into an awareness. And here's the principle. Awareness is the beginning of change. Awareness is the beginning of change. You can't change anything that you're not aware of. If you're not aware that there's a problem, you can't change it. The lowest level of knowledge that you can ever operate on is called assumption. It's the lowest level of knowledge. Don't assume, ask. Well, I thought you want, no, ask. I, I'm a text away. I'm an email away. I'm a phone call away. Don't, don't assume, just ask ask. Well, I thought you wanted ask. Just ask. You'd be surprised how many problems could be solved if people would simply just ask the right questions. But questions, question, the power of a question, just the power of a question has the ability to be able to shape your future in an incredible way. There was a woman that uh, went to see a psychic, and I, I don't recommend psychics. That's a part of the world of the occult. But she, she needed an answer. She, she wanted to know about her future. She goes to a psychic in a dimly lit place that has a little single candle flickering. And she's, she's sitting there and she, she, she asks, what's, what's my future going to be like? And in this gloomy room, this woman then takes out some tarot cards and lays them out before the lady. And, and she said, I've got some bad news to deliver to you. She said, I don't know how to give this to you other than to just tell you bluntly. And she said, prepare yourself to be a widow because your husband will die a violent death this year. 
This woman was visibly shaken by that news. Here she goes in thinking that she's going to hear something positive about her future. And this woman lays these tarot cards out and says, prepare to be a widow. Your husband will die a violent death this year. She's visibly shaken by the news that the psychic has just given her. And she's looking, staring at the psychic's lined face and looking back at this single flickering candle in this dimly lit room. And she's trying to calm herself down and she took a few deep breaths just to compose herself. And she simply had to know, she asked this question, will I get away with it? The power of a question. The power of a question. It's interesting. In Luke chapter 1, it's interesting how Mary, the mother of Jesus, she had a question. Notice verse 30 through 38 here. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus and he'll be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold the, ma the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want you to realize this. God is not intimidated or angered when we ask him questions out of a pure heart. If you ask God a question out of a pure heart, you will never anger God. Now, the angel is telling Mary this at the well of Annunciation. I've been to that well in Israel. And he's telling her, you're going to have a baby. His name is going to be the Son of God. And she, she's, when she asked, how shall this be, she wasn't doubting it. She was asking for clarification because she's saying, you're giving this message to me. She's like, I'm not even married. I don't have a husband and I'm a virgin. How am I supposed to have a baby? She wasn't saying, I don't believe it. She's just asking for clarification as to how. And notice this, the angel never rebukes her for asking the question. If God tells you the what but doesn't tell you the how, it's okay to ask God. Now, I know we grew up in a dispensation, and I heard a lot of old people, they said, you don't question God. Child, don't you ever question God. You don't question God. But you know what? As you read your Bible, you will discover many people in Scripture questioned God. But there is a way to question Him, and I want to share that with you. And that, that does not provoke God's anger and it is not in any way disrespectful to God. I think that God encourages us to be able to talk to him. Uh, Mary was never rebuked 
for asking a question just to get clarity of how she was going to conceive the child. And he let her know the Holy Spirit is going to be the baby daddy. Because that's what she was asking, who's going to be the baby daddy? I mean, at the end of the day, she just wanted to know who's going to be my baby daddy. That's, that's all she was asking. And he said, the, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. He's going to overshadow you. You're going to get pregnant with his seed. The Holy Ghost is the Father of Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of God. He's the Father. And so he, the angel explained it. That's all she was. She, did, she didn't doubt the what. She was trying to get clarity on the how. So she was not, this was not a question of disbelief. This is not the same as uh, Sarah in the Old Testament. When the angel told her that she was going to have a baby, she started laughing. And then God shut her down by asking her a question. When he asked her, is anything too hard for the Lord? And just asking that question, shut her down like that. You win more arguments with a question than you will trying to make a pointed statement. And remember when Abraham uh, was trying to negotiate with God to save the city of Sodom and Gomorrah? He says, God, if, if I find 50 righteous people in the city, will you spare the city for 50? Can I get 50? Can I get 50? And he couldn't find 50. And, and he said, Lord, 45, 45. Couldn't find 45. 40. Couldn't find 40. Then he said 30. Couldn't find 30. Then he said 20. Couldn't find 20. Then he said, Lord, I don't want you to get impatient with me. He said, 10, 10. Would you spare it if I can find 10 folks? God never got impatient with him, not one time. God never rebuked him for coming back and asking again, will you spare it for 10? Will you do it for this? If you have to come back and ask God for clarification, ask God for confirmation, you will never weary God. God is very patient. He loves us. And when we talk to him, uh, you know, he will not be angered. That nothing compares with sitting down and talking with the author of the book. This is the only book in the world that every time that you open it to read it, that the author is present. It's the only book where every time you read it, the author is present. And so he's not afraid that if you need understanding of it, that you ask him, Lord, what does this mean to me? What are you saying to me, Lord, through this passage? Through this verse, what are you saying? Ask God. That's the way that you get answers and clarity and understanding. But don't just ask any kind of way. You need to establish a rapport with God first. So I suggest to you that you do this. Ask honestly. Ask honestly. Ask respectfully. And ask patiently. You ask honestly out of a genuine pure heart ask respectfully and you ask patiently so there's a way to ask God you can't come to God and demand things like a spoiled brat and say God you know you you're going to answer me you you give me some answers right now you you may not, no no you may understand it you know after a while that's why you have to wait patiently you wait patiently for him you may not understand it right now why this is happening God is a he's a God of patience he's eternal he has nothing but time on his hand so ask patiently because it may be a timing issue. It's almost like if you need to talk to a spouse, you need to talk to a child, there are particular windows of opportunity where the person is much more open. You can't just say, oh, look, we, we need to talk. Come on in here right now. We've been talking about this. Oh, no, we're going to talk about this now. 
And, and see, oftentimes people do that and there's such resistance and you get such pushback. But oftentimes when the person is really ready to talk, you'll be busy doing something else and then that person will walk in and interrupt you right when you're in the middle of doing something, but the window is open. When you notice that this window of opportunity is open, stop what you're doing and go there now and have the conversation with your spouse. Go there now, have the conversation with your child. Instead of saying, look, no, 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 daddy's busy, mama's busy right now. When you notice that that window is open because they've asked you a question, mama, I want to talk to you. I, I was wondering if you can tell me about, and you were waiting. Learn to wait until the, 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 the timing is right. You know, my three older brothers all had motorcycles. They had Harley Davidsons and Hondas and all of this. And uh, I'm child number four. I'm still riding a bicycle. I wanted a motorcycle. You know, and so I had to wait until the timing was right. My daddy was a businessman. He had a lot of pressure on him. So I could tell it when he would come home and, and, and I could see the stress that was on him from, from, the, from the business. You know, when you got mortgages and loans taken out against you, it's, it's not easy. And, and, and I could tell. And so you have to wait until timing is right. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I'm I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, but I wanted that motorcycle. <laughs> And so I waited until my dad, my dad would go to Jamaica for a solid month every year to rest after our, after our show. And, and he'd, he'd be there the whole month of, of February. And I waited right until daddy came back, rested. He was so chill. He was all suntan, <laughs> looking like an Indian. He's, and, and so he, here he is. And so now I see my window. He comes in, he's in a good mood. He's, you know, we run there. He's got a little duffel bag and bringing us souvenirs and all kind of stuff. He's in a great mood. And I'm like, dad, I need to talk. We need to talk. He was so relaxed and so chill. He said, I'd be glad to do it. And he bought my motorcycle. Timing was everything. I had to wait until the timing was right. I wanted it before he went to Jamaica, but it wasn't the right time. You have to learn how to wait until the timing is right. Please, if you work for somebody and if the business is losing money, struggling, trying to pay bills, please don't go in and demand a raise. <laughs> I don't care what's going on in your work. It's just not the right time. But when you realize that profits are through the roof and you've been working your fingers to the bone and you've been dedicated, you've been coming in early and staying late and seeing things and thinking about issues and taking initiative to solve them, that's the right time when you know that there's profitability that is there and things are going really, really well. Don't wait until you know that you're in a downturn and things are slow and just because things are slow and then you come there and say, you know, I need a raise. You might get a termination letter. <laughs> they might promote you into your next position. So timing is everything. So when you ask, ask honestly. Ask respectfully and ask patiently. You might need to wait before you make the ask. Wait before you make the ask. Don't wait until you're in the doghouse with somebody in a relationship and then ask, will you marry me? It's, it's just timing is everything. Timing is everything. It's the power of a question. The power of a question. But timing is absolutely everything. Now, when you need answers, start asking questions. Start asking questions. Just start asking questions. Because questions help us to understand the background of things. They help us to understand the background or the root cause of particular things. You know how you can say something to a person and then a person will react to you? And listen, if the reaction 
was bigger than the action that you did, it means that that reaction was about something that happened before this incident and generally before you came into the picture. So it was not even about you. You have to understand that. If the reaction is bigger than the action that you did, what happened is that you touched a nerve that was raw that has not healed because somebody else created the offense and you reminded them of that because you touched something that they, where they were offended and it has not yet healed. And now you're dealing with a reaction. And so don't get upset and get into a big blown out argument because you don't understand the root. So questions help us to understand the background or the root cause of particular things. And so when you ask questions, questions also help us to understand the context. It helps us to understand the background or the root causes. It helps us to understand the context of the situation. And then questions also help us when we are really in a, in a particular situation, it helps us to understand the motives. So you understand why are you doing what you're doing? Have you ever seen uh, there would be people that would do what you call priming the well and you had to put a little water in before you actually start trying to pump it because, and so folks don't even understand, well, we don't even have that much and why are you sowing now? You're priming the well. Sometimes you have to put something in before you can pump and get something out. You have to put some in there to get it started. And so that's what it's about. It's about sowing a seed. You sow a seed when you need a harvest. And so if people don't understand your motive as to why you're doing what you're doing, they'll be against it. Whatever people don't understand, they are automatically against. If they don't understand the move that you're making. So ask questions. Just ask questions. Ask questions because questions help us to understand the background. Uh, questions help us to understand the context and, and questions help us to understand the motives. But answers are all around us. And listen, until you define the questions, you will not recognize the answers. Until you define the questions, you will not recognize the answers. You won't recognize the answers. So you have to recognize that there are answers that are all around us and you have to be able to recognize that by defining the question. So let me ask you just a few questions to just to stimulate your mind and heart. And think about this, that the measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. The measure of who we are is what we do with what we have. So think about this. What do you do with what you have? What do you do with what you have? Just think about that. Whatever God has given you, what do you do with what you have? I want you to think about this thought. There are two things that basically define us. Your patience when you have nothing and your attitude when you have everything. So I want to ask you this question. How is your patience when you have nothing? And how is your attitude when you have a whole lot? How is your humility when you have a whole lot? I mean, how is your patience when you have nothing and how is your humility when you have a whole lot. You give some people a whole lot and they are so arrogant. Oh, you have to climb up on a stepladder to say good morning to them. <laughs> so you're defined by how your patience is when you have nothing and how your humility is when you have a whole lot. And then think about this, that the real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing at the right time, but to also leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting time. 
So here's the question. How well are you able to restrain yourself from speaking what shouldn't be said? Because you know there are some people that they just feel like, you know what, if I feel it, whatever comes up comes out. That really is not a good policy by which to live. You're going to ruin a lot of relationships, and then you, you will have walked off, been fired, and go quit a job because you're not going to let anybody talk to you, and then you got all of these bills at home, and now you're sitting at home crying and hugging your pillow at night saying, what am I going to do? You can't say everything that you think. It's not designed to. Process it. There are certain things that should never be spoken. Listen, a thought that is unspoken will die unborn. But the moment that you speak something, you give life to it. You give life to it. The moment you speak it, you give life to it. You put pneuma, spirit, to whatever it is. A, a thought that is unspoken will die unborn. But when you speak the thought out, that's when you give life to it. So questions lead us to answers. And please understand this principle. Your future is shaped by the quality of the questions you ask. Your future is shaped by the quality of the questions that you ask. Your future, it is shaped by the quality of the questions that you ask. If you ask yourself right now, where do I want to be 10 years from now? See, some people never ask the question, and 10 years from now, they're in the same place where they are now. And you have to start asking yourself the question, where do I want to be 10 years from now? And what is it going to take for me to start doing now that will help me to be at that place 10 years from now? You can only become 10 years from now what you are becoming today. So if I want to know what I'm going to be 10 years from now, I need to start crafting that. I love the words of Winston Churchill when he said, the future will be very kind to me, he said, because I intend to write it. And you have the same power to be able to write your future by determining right now, what do I want my life to look like 10 years from now? And then back up and start saying, what do I need to start working on right now that will put me at that place? I mean, just think about it. If I said that I want to travel a thousand miles within 10 years and I'm walking, I need to figure out how many miles I need to walk every day in order to make sure that I get to that goal. It is the same with your future. You can, you can decide some things, but your future is shaped by the quality of questions that you ask. Think about how this shapes a person's future when they ask these questions. Will you marry me? Oh, that's, that's, that's getting ready to shape your, your, your future in a good way or a bad way, depending on what you're doing and who you're marrying. I'm just telling you. And I don't know anything that can derail your destiny faster than marrying the wrong person. And if you really want to invite chaos, if you, listen, if you, if you want hell on earth, marry the wrong person. I would ask for a show of hands, but I... You, <laughs> not here. No, no, no. No. But it's such a wonderful thing. You marry the right one. It's such a blessing to you. There's so much peace. Peace is the single greatest indication that you're in the will of God. But I'm just telling you, Questions lead to answers. Your future is shaped by the quality of the questions that you ask. Your future is shaped by the quality of the questions that you ask. Will you marry me? Will you be my business partner? Be very careful. Be very careful. Because when you ask those questions, they are shaping your future. 
And I want you to think about these key questions that are asked in Scripture. These key questions. Number one, where are you? God asked that of Adam. Now remember this, whenever God asks a question, he is not asking for information because he's omniscient. He already knows. Now, Adam was playing this game called sin and go hide. (laughs) Not hide and go seek, but sin and go hide. Because sin produces three things. Sin produces guilt, fear, and hiding. Sin. It produces guilt, fear, and hiding. He was guilty. And the guilt made him afraid. And because he was afraid, it sent him into hiding. Because sin produces guilt, fear, and hiding. And so here he goes. He sins and now he goes into hiding because he said, I hid myself because I was afraid. And he was afraid because he had sinned. Because sin produces guilt, fear, and hiding. And so now he's in that place where he's hiding. And so God asked the question. God knows exactly where he is. You, you know, it's, it's very similar to how children are. They, they, they'll be somewhere uh, when you play hide and go seek. And, and then they close their eyes and because they can't see you, they assume you can't see them. And that's the way that Adam was. Adam hid himself. And God calls him, Adam, where art thou? And he's acting as though he's hiding from God, who sees all and knows all. And Adam, Adam is asked this question by God, where are you? God was asking him, where are you spiritually? Where are you emotionally? Where are you mentally? Where are you financially? Where are you relationally? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? This is a question that can help to define your future. Where are you? It can help you to realize I'm out of place. I'm lost. I'm acting out of my destiny. I'm in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Where are you? Just one question. That question shook Adam. And it made him immediately think about what he had done. Where are you? Well, I hid because I was afraid. See, it reminded him immediately of it. And God didn't even talk to him. He just said, Adam, where are you? And asking that question, remember, awareness is the beginning of change. Where are you? Here's question number two. Where is Abel, your brother? He's talking, this is God talking to Cain. You know, he had murdered his brother. This speaks of our responsibility to others, not for others, but to them. We're responsible. We are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. And so we have a responsibility to people. There are folks, you know, the old folks used to say that there are certain folks that you are duty-bound to pray for, duty-bound to help. We're duty-bound to our brothers and sisters. Where is your brother? Where is your sister? We're duty-bound to help them. We're duty-bound to serve them. We are duty-bound to protect them. And the question is where, where, where is Abel, your brother? Where, where? God just... He was trying to get Cain to realize. See, God knew exactly what he had done. But, it was, but he, was, he was challenging his responsibility to serve, to help, and to protect his brother. And we get the same question. Where's Abel, your brother? Don't just be concerned about yourself. What are you doing in relationship to other people that you know who are connected to your life? 